next week, Lord, in two weeks, Father. We're so excited about what you're going to do. God, we are just so thankful that we are on this mission, Father, to transform Trumbull. God, that we, we want to see people do that. God, we want to see people experience your goodness and your love. And we love you. We're thankful to be a part of this body of Christ. In Jesus' name, and everyone that would agree with that, say amen. 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 Um, I'm just excited to continue this sermon series. I can't believe we're in the third week of December. Time just flies. You guys ever just look around and be like, time is flying by. I don't know how it happens. But um, we have been in a series called A Thrill of Hope. A Thrill of Hope. And uh, we're going through a couple different lines from that song, O Holy Night. And today the line that me and Pastor Andrew and Dave, when we looked at all the lines of this amazing carol, uh, the line that stuck out for line for week three is behold your king before him bend. And this idea of God being king. And the more I was praying about the, this throughout the week and what would God want to share about his role in being king, he kept taking me to this concept of him being a shepherd king of him being a shepherd king. Can you say this with me? Shepherd king. So we read from Isaiah 9 uh, last week, and I want to read just one verse from it because it kind of uh, brings together this idea that we're beginning with today. Uh, Isaiah 9, verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, we just sang about this, to establish it, to uphold it with justice... And righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I love that verse. So that's just a little excerpt of what we read last week. But I want you to see that amazing line that of his government, there will be no end. That speaks of his role as king. His role as king. We've talked about it, I think, last year. We did, I did a two-part series on the New Jerusalem that comes down. Won't go into that right now. But the New Jerusalem is coming out of heaven, will be established on this earth. There will be everything will be made new. Everybody say everything. Who's looking forward to that day? Isn't that going to be awesome? All right. So <laughs> some of you are like, oh, my back hurts. I can't wait for that day. Um, you should have seen Will bowling. Uh, he's getting old, I'm just saying. Just, just kidding kind of true. It's interesting, though, that King David is mentioned right here. King David, all right? So why would he mention, why would the prophet mention King David? Well, it's actually a number of times that Jesus, the Messiah, is prophesied to have come through the lineage of David. And when we think about David, who was David? Just a shepherd boy. Just a shepherd boy. And then when we look at uh, Matthew, and we look at the lineage, you see these 14 generations between Abraham and between uh, David. So let's look at Luke 1, verse 26. If you got your Bibles, Luke 1, verse 26. And we're going to pick up a little bit from where we left off last week. And we talked about the shepherds. We talked about everybody experiencing this angelic visitation. I want to look now at this visit to Mary, Luke 1, 26. If you got it, say got it. If you're looking at the screen, say got it. All right. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of 
David. Interesting, right? And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. What an interesting, awesome line. You have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and you'll bear a son and you shall call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Isn't that interesting? And you guys know if there's one person I like to preach on more than any other uh, person in the Bible, it's, it's David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm, such, um, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. Nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to me. Uh, according to your word. I know my mom, when she would preach in the past, she would say, I love this line because that's how we should all respond. She would always say, that's how we should respond to the word of the Lord. Let me be your servant. Right? Everybody just put your hand on your heart. Like, yes, make, make me your servant, Lord. Right? I'm listening. Amen? So Mary goes to visit. Um, Elizabeth, and as you know, her baby John the Baptist, he leaps in the womb. So let's fast forward to verse 52. He has brought down the mighty. This is Mary begins to sing. Mary has this song, and he says, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. But he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Now, why would she bring up Abraham? Why would David be brought up and Abraham be brought up? Think about who Abraham, what was, what was Abraham? A shepherd. What is this thing? What is this, this thread that's throughout the Bible that God would come to a shepherd and say, hey, I'm going to make a nation out of you. And start his promise of his people, of his family. And 14 generations, he speaks to a, a young shepherd boy named David. David, David, I'm talking to you. Right? A shepherd. He didn't come to a doctor. He didn't come to a lawyer. Right? Didn't come um, to this person who's maybe, hey, you've had eight years of education. Okay, you deserve to have a visitation from God. No, he came to a shepherd. Turn to your neighbor and say, a shepherd. So why would he do that? I think it's because he's trying to make the point that he is the good shepherd. He is the shepherd king. Look at Matthew 1, 17. All the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation from Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. So when you think about Abraham, 14 generations. David, 14 generations. You know the story of Daniel. We just preached about it about two months ago. Do you think it's coincidence? Do you think God's timeline is coincidence? Or does, does anybody here think like I think that God knows what he's doing? It's almost as if he has a plan. Does anybody think God has a plan? 
And in the fullness of time, right, Galatians says, he delivers for, I'm getting ahead of myself. Hold on, I'll start preaching. All right. So why shepherds? Shepherds, like the sheep themselves, can learn quickly that the path to success depends on tending to the flock but caring for the individual. I looked up some information on shepherds, and here's some stuff. You ready? About providing clean water, ample food and shelter to the entire flock, maintaining the health of the flock, but ensuring that each one is known and cared for. But the success of a shepherd is in the compassion they have for each individual lamb. This brings an identity to each one. They are able to see and identify if one of them is sick or in need of care, if one has wandered off, and they have concern, genuine concern. And even though they were looked down upon in society and even to this day, they have a genuine love for what they do. And do you know that Jesus has a genuine love in caring for you? That's why it's called good news. It's good news. Jesus has a genuine love in caring for you. Amen? God loves to care for you. How many of you would at least slip up, at, at least go Presbyterian on me and give me just a half raise that you wandered off and God came looking for you? All right, some of you went full Pentecostal. You're like, last week. I saw you, Rita. He wandered off this morning. No, you didn't do that. Are you so thankful that the Father had the compassion, the empathy, the love for you that he came to you with that shepherd's hook and brought you back? That he sent other sheep, right? Often he sends other sheep to care for you and to bring you back into the fold. And sometimes when you're really down, be honest, he just straight up carried you. Because you, you didn't even have the faith to keep going. But he carried you. In Luke and Matthew, we look at this, this idea of, of Abraham and David and these shepherds. And who was Moses? You think about Moses. He receives, he receives the law. How does he receive the law? As a shepherd. It's almost as if God is trying to say something, right? Acts chapter 2. And this is maybe an interesting way, place to go in the Bible on a Christmas service. But... Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit took me to this moment where Peter is preaching about who Jesus is. And what does he tell them? Let me just read this to you. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? The Holy Spirit had just been poured out. People are hearing the gospel in their native tongue. So God is fulfilling the words from Isaiah, Nehemiah, from Ezekiel, that God will be uniting a people unto himself. So the gospel is being fulfilled right in front of their eyes. That now it's not just Jewish people. It's Gentiles. It's Pharisees who would repent. It's doctors. It's tax collectors. It's thieves. It's prostitutes. It's anybody and everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And look what he says. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and for knowledge of God. There's that idea, the plan of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death. Because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David said, I saw the Lord always with me. He's at my right hand that I might not be shaken. 
Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also dwell in hope. There's that thrill of hope. For you will not abandon your soul, my soul, to Hades. You will not let your Holy One see corruption. This is a messianic prophecy. Speaking of Jesus, he would not let his body rot in the grave. You have made known to me the path of life, and you will make me full of gladness in your presence. A little side note, you will not find full of gladness unless you're in the presence of God. You won't find your heart full of genuine joy and genuine gladness apart from the presence of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about our patriarch David, that he both died and was buried in his tomb, is with us to this day, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that he would one day set descendants upon his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Now you guys know why I just love to read the Bible. It preaches way better than I could preach. Come on. Don't amen that. I'm just kidding. Amen that. Amen. This Jesus God raised up, and we're all witness. Therefore, exalted at the right hand of God. Think about this. He's giving them an image of who Jesus is. Now exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, and he has poured this out on you, and you yourselves are hearing and seeing. David did not ascend to the heavens, but said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. Let me say amen. And what does he say? Repent. Repent and be baptized. Turn from your sin. Give your heart to God. And you know the story. 3,000 people get saved. That's a good Sunday morning. Come on, right? Imagine three, Carrie, 3,000 people get saved one Sunday morning. We'd have to go to three services. <laughs> and all the nursery workers said, no. No, all of you signed up for the nursery. There, see how I, pull, see how I pulled that in there? Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. So who is Jesus that Peter is describing? He's preaching to everybody. The Holy Spirit's poured out. They're receiving conviction of their heart. But who does, who does Jesus, how does Jesus describe himself? Well, turn to John 10. Turn to John 10. And we're going to look at how he describes himself. Speaking of himself, he says, The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before him and the sheep follow him and know his voice. Let me pause for a minute. You know, I've, I've had two conversations with pastors in the last week or two who are in between seasons in their life. And I always pray the same thing as they're praying about their next uh, church that they're supposed to go to, their next season. I always pray with, with people like that. I always pray, Lord, I thank you that they hear your voice. That they don't have to wonder, they don't have to not know or feel anxious about this idea of, is God speaking to me? Yes, you know his voice. Because you have a good shepherd. And sometimes we all need that reminder that you have a good shepherd and you can hear his voice. Amen? I want you, I want you to hear me because it's not just pastors. It's not like somebody with a, a degree of divinity on the wall, you know, in the office. No, it's you can hear his voice. He is your shepherd. Amen? Listen to what he says of himself. He says this, a stranger they will not follow, 
but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This is why you come alive at the sound of God. We'll come back to that idea. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So Jesus told them, truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to him. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and find pasture. I love that line. Because again, I know I say this a lot, but I want to say it again on purpose. You will not have peace in your life until you surrender to Jesus. That's what that line means. You will go in and find pasture. You'll find peace, rest, a home, right? The thief comes, this is speaking of Satan now, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And how many of you guys have seen that in your own life or the life of a family member or a friend that the thief convinces them, right, of some things that are not true and suddenly what? It's destroyed. Relationships are destroyed. Their job is destroyed. Addictions come in. All kinds of problems come in when we listen to the sound or the voice of the thief, Instead of the shepherd. Jesus then goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Do you know Jesus lays down his very life for you? He, we just sang about it. Humble he came to the earth, right? He left everything in heaven to come after you and me to rescue us. Because we were hurting, we were lost, we were wandering off. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Now you have to realize that, that messed with the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees are standing there, they're going, only us, only we are descendants of Abraham. So when Jesus says, I have other sheep too. They're like, what? I have a stepbrother? What? Like they're trying to like... I have a sister? There will be one flock and one shepherd. That's a beautiful line. For this reason the Father loves me, I lay down my sheep, or lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. I want you to not miss this. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it back up again. You know, Jesus was not put on the cross as if he could do nothing about it. He laid down his life for you. Scripture says, right, he could have called down a, a thousand angels, but he didn't. He chose to get on the cross for you. This is the same Jesus who breathed creation into existence, who told Jupiter right where to go, who told Neptune right where to go, who, who put the galaxies out. With the artistry of his hand. And he left that to come down here to this messed up world. He's the darling of heaven, the light of heaven. Constantly worshipped and praised and esteemed. And scripture says that the father asked him to come down. 
to die in our place. And he agreed to that. John 1 says it like this, the word became flesh. Everybody just rub your hands together for a minute. It became flesh like this, like, and dwelt among us. Divinity became humanity. That's amazing to me. Divinity became humanity. Ephesians 1 says that this is the plan since the foundation of the world. That we would be chosen blameless and holy before him. That he chose us for adoption to himself to become sons through Jesus. According to the purpose of his plan. Beloved, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to what? The riches of our works, of our efforts? No, according to the riches of his grace. This is an incredible inheritance that a shepherd king gives you. Now, why would he do all that? Love. He just loves you that much. He just loves you that much. There's, there's no more need of explanation. He just loves you. He is love. You know, I took my daughters out to eat. A little side note, this isn't my sermon, but I took my daughters out to eat last night. We're on a dad date. And we were leaving the restaurant, and I, I just had to have a little smile when one of my, actually both of my daughters go, thanks, Daddy. And I said, I'm a good, good father. That's who I am. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I thought about it, but I've done it before, and they hate it, so. They actually really love when I sing scripture to them. No, they don't, they don't like it. The way I don't, I don't have to convince myself to love my children. I hope you're hearing this. God loves you so much. Point three, God loves you a lot. Did you know God not only loves you, he likes you. I don't know who that was for, but that was for somebody. Because some of you might think, well, yeah, God has to love me. He's love. You know? Maybe you felt that way about your parents. Mom and dad, you, you have to love me. I know you don't like me. I know, I annoy you. But you have to love me. Your mom and dad. And some of you see God that way. No, God loves you and likes you. The incarnation is the revelation of his love. Love is sacrificing one's own comfort and status and position to esteem you, to give you a position of honor. And are you so thankful that he did that for you? That he's the shepherd king, that he is the king who came down to us in our lowly estate. He's the king of kings, worshiped, adored in heaven, and Philippians says it like this, Christ Jesus in the form of God, guys listen to this, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. I don't know about you, but I've never emptied myself. We all sacrifice, we all give up conveniences every now and then, but I, I don't think any of us like Jesus has emptied ourselves. Jesus emptied himself. What a powerful line. Taking on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form. 
He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I mean, can you imagine this conversation in heaven? Son, I need you to go down and die in their place. But before you do that, I need you to become one of them. You want me to become like one of them? <laughs> they have a lot of issues, Father. <laughs> Father, they split up their churches over carpet. Okay. Don't so much want to go down there. Right? But he has a will. That's what, I mean, you can't look at the Garden of Gethsemane and not realize Jesus had a will that he had to give up, that he had to choose. I mean, Scripture says he was even tempted. He said, God, is there any way, is there any other way out of this? Right? And he says, no, but your will, if this is still your will, I'm going to go through with it. Why? Love. Turn to your neighbor and say, he loves you that much. Therefore, God, after he died on the cross, what happened? God exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. I love this verse. I just want to say it again. There's so much anointing on that verse. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on Jesus the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. In heaven, on earth, and under earth, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Come on, Jesus' humility is remarkable because divinity took on humanity. The glory of God, the holiness of God put on a jar of broken clay, flesh, skin, bones. It's remarkable. And when we think about our future with Christ, that what Jesus promises in John 14 through 17, and he's like, look, the way I see the Father, the way the Father put the love in me, I'm putting that love in you, and we're going to be one. In Romans, we're told through, through Paul, again, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that the same way that Christ was then exalted and given honor, you will be exalted. You're going to rule and reign with him. That's crazy to me. That's amazing to me. Like, I've told God, Lord, I'm happy if I'm the gardener, if I'm just in the back with a little snipper, you know. Let me trim the bushes at the edge of heaven. You know what I mean? Anybody? Has anybody ever told God that? Like, Lord, just if I could just be the custodian in the back, I'm good. But he says, no, I have seated you in heavenly places. Oh, I hope, I feel the anointing so strong right now. I've seated you in heavenly places. I just feel like going off script. Can I go off script for a minute? You know, I just pictured that, that scene in Narnia, right? Where little Lucy and Edmund, Edmund's a punk. You know that? You know Edmund? Edmund just traded out. Traitor. Yet, even though he succumbed to the white witch, Aslan forgave him and gave him a new nickname. And he seated him with his brothers and sisters. Guys, I got news for you. You are seated in heavenly places. Even though you don't see it yet, you are who you will one day be. 
you are seated in heavenly places. And when Jesus sees you, he sees you for who you will be, seated in heavenly places, free of guilt and shame and condemnation and all that other garbage. And so you're like, well, Pastor Jordan, you don't know. I, I dealt with a lot of stuff in my 20s. That was a long time ago. That was not an age joke. That came out wrong. But you know what I meant. Mick, that was forever ago. Ever. That was like 100 years, Mick. <laughs> don't amen that. But you are seated in heavenly places. And God doesn't look at you and say, well, uh, 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 uh. He sent Jesus to take the punishment. That's what the gospel is. It's having faith in what Jesus has done, not what you can do. And I hope you hear this Christmas that maybe you're a guest with us today. You understand that when Jesus came, born in the lineage of David, Yes, to rule on David's throne, but not to rule over you. Not to, not to push you down. Not to give you a long set of a thousand uh, rules that you got to follow. and You got to get it straight or you're not going to make it in. No, it's adoption. It's, hey, let's make you family. We're going to sit across from the table together. We're going to talk. We're going to discuss life together. You have a concern on your heart? Come talk to me about it. It's called prayer. Right? We're going we're gonna to be a family and we're going to rule and reign in this kingdom together. That's the most beautiful, amazing thing. That's the grace of God that he gives us what we do not deserve. Amen? If you could stand up to your feet this morning. Guys, Zechariah, as you know, I know I won't have time to get through the rest of my sermon, but I want to just share with you. Zechariah is this is this uh, guy, this minister who works in the temple, okay? And he had this longing in his heart that he would not die before seeing the Messiah. How many are familiar with that story, right? Okay, half of you is great. It's excellent. So he has this desire to see God. And I want to just give you this, um, this passage right here from Luke 2. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous, uh, devout. He was righteous and devout and eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to him you would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. And that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. I love that. By the way, the Spirit is still leading you to this day. There, there's such a sweet presence of God in here. I, could just, I feel like I just want to stay in here all day. So maybe somebody go grab some cheeseburgers and we'll just hang out for all day. Like Jimmy and Jesse were telling me, you know, he, he wakes up thinking about this exact, very specific thing, and then my dad texts him that, right? Uh, that specificity, the Holy Spirit led my dad to send that text. You say, Jordan, I don't know if God's in those kind of details. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. The Holy Spirit leads you to do certain things, to send a text, to make a call, to go to that store. So the Holy Spirit led Simeon to the temple that day. When Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord, can you imagine that moment when Simeon laid eyes on this infant? Sovereign Lord, now I can die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all People. And this is how I want to close the sermon. All people. Everybody say all people. all people. All people. He is a light 
to reveal God to us and only us. No, a light to reveal God to the nations. Everybody say the nations. He is the glory of your people, Israel. And I want to end this sermon with this idea of mission that you have been given the greatest joy and the greatest privilege, and that's to behold your shepherd king. Can I tell you the second greatest joy in life is to share the beholding of your shepherd king, to share that with somebody else. Your greatest joy is to behold your shepherd king. Your second greatest joy is to tell someone about your shepherd king and watch them behold your shepherd king. Trust me, I've seen it's the best thing in life is to see someone that you brought into your house or you invited to the life group or you invited to church have an experience with God and they receive Father's love. They experience the joy of Shepherd King. That's the greatest joy you can have, hands down. So Jesus' parents were amazed. What was being said about him? Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's brother, baby's brother, not the baby's brother, baby's mother. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. See, he's prophesying. Many will oppose him. And he's speaking of the truth that not everybody accepted the message of repentance, right? As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. You see, when God's presence, when the spirit of Jesus comes into your life, the deepest thoughts of your heart are revealed. The real you who's really down there, the real, the real thoughts, the real worries, the fears that might keep you up at night, that's what Jesus knows more than anybody else. And when you experience his love and his presence, he exposes that. That's why the tears come. That's why the sense of, oh, man, Lord, you know this about me? Yes. He does. And he loves you just the same. And he wants to heal your heart. We've got to get deep in our hearts that his salvation is for all. All. That our greatest joy, first is beholding him, our second greatest joy is telling somebody else bringing someone else into this moment of beholding our king. So because of that, with that idea in mind, I wanted to play the doxology. Can we just sing the doxology? Can you just close your eyes? It's an old song. We're going to play this. Maybe we'll play it twice through. And we're just going to sing this. And maybe if you, uh, maybe you might not have grown up in church and you might not know it, but you'll, you'll learn it as it goes because it's real simple and repetitive. I just want to, I want to dim the lights just a little bit if that's okay. Maybe the media team or usher could do that. And just hold your palms out, if you will. I want you to just close your eyes because I want you to understand that the chief goal of man, okay, the chief goal of man, you've heard me say this before, is to enjoy God and worship him forever. And this is what Jesus enables, to enjoy God and worship him forever. Let's sing this. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly hosts. 
just want to give you an opportunity right now, right here in God's presence, if you don't know Jesus, to surrender your life to Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your shepherd king, as your Lord, would you just raise your hand nice and high and say, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've needed. Raise it nice and high so I don't miss you, and we're going to pray together. It's possible a friend or a relative brought you. Well, amen. Can we, can we sing this one more time? Let's end, let's end this worship service with this. Jesus, we thank you for coming. God, the joy of our life is to praise you, to give glory to your name, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you that you revealed your goodness and you revealed your grace when you sent Jesus to us to die as one of us. And like Charles Spurgeon said, that you came, Son of God, as a Son of Man, to make sons of men sons of God. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone would say Amen. Amen. Have a great week, and we will see you Christmas Eve.